How you doing, Dr. Casey? I'm doing good. How you doing, Dr. Casey? I've been missing Reverend you, Bass. Yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good. So I tell you what, it's a lot uh, has happened. A lot of water is going on the bridge, you know, use the term. And also, just the fact, man, it's just uh, so much to, uh, in my terms, to say grace over. You know what I mean? We, uh, we've we got a lot of stuff going on. So I've been giving a lot of thought to this podcast, and I really want to figure out how we can make this a, an, an open space where folks can listen to some things, learn some things, but also chime in. So yeah. I'm hoping that we continue to, to build this here and uh, and do the good work that we are called to do. Um, since we hadn't been together in a while, I know there were some things that we had said that we were going to do. I want to at least get some of that on the table. And I know we, we talked about um, uh, medical apartheid. Yeah. And we wanted to uh, come back to that. So I want to do that because Mr. Uh, Salem has... Uh, Two of the largest medical centers probably in the state and growing and so we we i think that's important for us to at least have that on the table uh for the sake of uh, the medical community and us so i asked you the question well we talked about this idea of um of uh sterilization yeah right yep and that once the state forsyth county had a history of, of uh the original sterilization stuff that happened yeah uh it was after uh, world war ii and then we actually found an article back in 2013 that about here about the the sterilization that had ha- happened and uh, we had mentioned that um two of our representatives here from winston-salem um were uh the ones who brought up this uh unresolved issue here in winston in, uh, in raleigh um Representative um, Parman and um, Representative, uh, man, I'm going to put a blank on his name. I had to think about his name in a minute. Uh, Larry Wombo, that was yeah. the other one. And Representative Parman was the one that actually had called me. I was a president of the minister's conference at the time. And she called me and said that we need you to come to Raleigh. And, uh, and I said, okay, fine. And she says, because there's things that's happening in Raleigh that... Uh, you know, there's there's no way for us to get anything done if there's no democracy, quote unquote, going on. No way to negotiate. No way to to uh, to uh, have uh, sharing free voice. And so I went down there, and, and what I found was all of this um, uh, one way of doing business, so to speak. You know, it was a Republican-dominated uh, legislature, and uh, but the things that they did, Larry Wamble and uh, Ernie Palmer, was to bring uh, a bill to the to the floor around uh, compensating the ones who have been impacted by uh, sterilization, whose families they, that uh, have been impacted by that. And and so that brought up the discussion with us. And you said that you weren't aware of that. Um, and uh, I asked uh, the question about, well, we talked about trainings that hadn't been mentioned in any type of medical training. And so you were going to go back to... Uh, the medical folk and ask them the question, man. And so you told me, what did you tell me? Oh yeah, no, I have not done that yet. And that was what? That was probably six weeks ago that we yeah, did that. Yeah, at least Maybe six even weeks a little bit ago. Longer than that. I know yeah. you've been a, you've been a, a operating room doctor, your medical emergency room doctor. You're a busy guy. Yeah, that's true. But, but I guess this is kind of the same problem that we were talking about, isn't it? Yeah, you know, um, and, and I don't know if you can actually call it priorities, man, but I think it's just the way we do life. Yeah. Right? And and so our whole motivation for doing Words of Truth is to bring 
uh, clarity and authenticity and a way that we can do life differently. I put it that way, right? Yeah. So the idea is that some of the things, though, that um, we take for granted and um, uh, and assume, you know, are one way. Uh, we got to figure out a way to kind of shake some of that stuff off, and uh, and then chart a new way. And so hopefully through these discussions that we're having and the way that we're doing our work, uh, that we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Um, I, I'm really concerned too that uh, the more I see uh, the efforts to combat the COVID, now we're getting the shots. We had the vaccines. Matter of fact, I had mine this past Monday. I did my first uh, shot. Good. I did the Moderna, and it took a lot for me to do that because, you know, number one again, my uh, my distrust, right? Sure. And my concern around uh, the medical community, you know, and what uh, what they have done or not done for our community historically. And again, the sterilization is, a, is an example of that, right? Yeah. And so actually what we what I did in order to get there was that um, the Harvest Market Board here, we decided to uh, invite in the experts, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And so we had the, the vice president of, uh, of uh, one of the medical departments at uh, uh, Wake Forest Baptist Medical. Yeah came and sat with us and uh he gave us the facts you know and um it was a broad it was a diverse group of folk and we asked the question we talked about the um the um conspiracy theory stuff right Mm -hmm. and and actual things around that sort of thing and it was very helpful to me so that happened about three weeks ago and so since then we have been talking about it and uh, gary my uh, partner and i I've been talking about the possibility of getting it, and so on this past Monday, uh, my uh, my care uh, uh, place was uh, had emailed me and said that I was my wife and I were both were eligible to get the shot. Cool. You know, the, you know, we we're old folks, sixty-five and over, so <laughs> so we were, we were eligible to get the shot. So we, so we went online, and, and surprisingly enough, it was like within three days. So I think we did that on a Friday. Wow, that's and, great. And then I know they had access the, has been had the appointment tough. set up on Monday. Yeah, so it was pretty big. I guess that's thank goodness for medical care, right? Yeah. And a way in. So, so I went there and I did that, and uh, uh, and then she went in and she couldn't do it because she had taken the the shingle shot. Yes, my mom just got her shingle shot, and, and it's so, the same thing. She couldn't get. So she had to wait. She it. had to wait until yesterday. Yeah. She went and uh, on Monday, and they told her that she couldn't do it because it was two more days. But then, thank goodness, while she was there, she went on in in the uh, reschedule, and was on on Thursday. So she got it. She got it yesterday, and so far today, she's in good state. She had a couple of medical conditions and things, you know, that uh, weigh on her. So we're gonna watch her very well. But I just had sore arm kind of thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then some stiffness in my neck. Yeah, people have been you know, just kind of general aches and pains yeah. kind of things. Yeah. So yeah, we we got through that, and I'm hoping that then that folks will be open. You know, more considerate, if you will, of, of taking this vaccine. I, I believe that I think that really helped us is the idea of having some facts, you know, and stop listening to the rumors and, you know, the rumor, rumor yeah. mill about it, right? Uh, has been very helpful to us. So I hope that we can continue. As a matter of fact, we want to be a site here uh, for having um, discussions. Yeah. We're going to invite the medical community coming in. So we're going to do that going forward uh, to address that uh, around the vaccine. So, um, so hopefully that'll be uh, one thing that we get done. Um, on these other fronts, um, we are um, working on things like 
uh, trying to uh, provide a platform for uh, ways that folks who have had uh, rough histories, right, concerns about uh, trauma mm -hmm. and, and brokenness in their lives that they've been carrying on, especially in the black community. We, we were concerned about them having a platform for that. So we're actually working on a place where we're going to do some truth and reconciliation. And we call it reparations work because we want to make sure there's action at the end, but it's really atonement work. So what's involved in that, this idea of people getting together and having a space where they can talk about these, again, these bad experiences in their life, right? And then to be able to share with them. Now, now traditionally, the model has been, Dr. Casey, where uh, black folk, if you will, will come in the room and they'll, you know, they'll do the, you know, bleeding heart kind of a thing, right? And then, of course, the white folk will say, oh, you know, how, how bad, you know, how bad that is. And so we don't want to do that model. We want to do a model where everybody comes in and everybody is, is available or, or allowed or willing to uh, to share some things, a story, right? Kind of what we're doing here, the words of truth, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to develop this model where folks can come into a space or on a recorded session and tell a story. And the story is about some injustice, some oppression, some hurt or pain that they had in their life or somebody's life that they did. And that either they were the uh, they were the receiver of it, right? Or they were a perpetuator. Or someone in their family was a perpetuator and they carry the trauma in them. So the idea is to provide moments where people can talk about these things, right? And then have some type of resolution on it. Yeah. And I believe that that kind of process going forward in Forsyth County is going to be helpful to us to kind of begin to build some unity and then begin to look at things where we can do some specific kinds of correction. I want to ask you about kind of the resolution thing because um, you were mentioning that, you know, it's not just about the discussion, which is what a lot of past efforts have been just, you know, kind of clearing the air sort of sessions. But you talked about kind of, you know, thinking about it more on the terms of reparations or that there has to be, you know, some sort of outcome. So tell me a little bit more about um, why that's important and how, you know, a new effort needs to be different from things that have been done before. Well, that's a good question, uh, Dr. Casey. And, and really the, the bottom line is simply this. Uh, over the years, uh, the way we've been able to deal with racism uh, as a nation and as a people, as institutions and even individuals, is this idea of uh, you've got the, the, the person who uh, is the um, uh, disgruntled person, this way it's been described, right? And they've been, you know, in, in when they speak out, then they are uh, either, you know, chastised or, or um, labeled as being uh, a rebel rouser or something, right? And basically what it is, though, is that there's, there's been a, a wrong, there's been a wrong, there's been some injustice done, or even some hurt or pain, right? And so there is a, a group, you know, that is created, you know, established, and that group then provides an opportunity for this person or this group to then get in a room and tell about this uh, act, this, uh, you know, injustice or, or um, uh, oppression that was done. But what happens at the end of it, nothing is done, because you know, it's kind of like, the, you know, again, like I said, they listen to it, there's a listening session, but then nothing is done, no follow-up is ever given. And that's the tradition over years, you know, even uh, across the board, all the systems use that kind of a model. And so we, through then the Freedom Tree at IDR, have, have uh, learned that uh, there needs to be a different model. That model is not very effective. And so getting in a room and just talking with people, you know, around that, is it has to be uh, deepened and it has to be intentional towards some kind of an action. 
And most people, if you talk to them, the rest of the people of color will tell you that, well, you know, I'm finished talking, you know, I don't want to talk anymore about this, but I would like to have some action. And so our idea then is to provide means for people who can talk about it because we're finding though through a, from a health perspective, right, that we carry these emotions, right? We carry this pain in us and they actually wear down, right? Create high blood pressure, strokes, right? Over time. And we don't, and we're not aware of that. And so we are finding that, uh, the average person not aware of that. So we're finding that it's, it's, it's important that we address it and we feel like that kind of environment would do that. So then at the end of the day, then depending on what the, um, what the hurt is, what the pain is, uh, is there something, what is the action that we can do, you know, to help now um, mend the hurt and pain and then provide some means of the person or the institution to move forward. And so, yeah, and so we're then um, uh, moving toward that. That's a model that we're going to use in the community. Uh, we're going to use this, this as, a, as a way to communicate it out to the community, right? And then we're going to uh, provide spaces. Share center will be one space. And there'll be other spaces across the community where people can come in and begin to share these stories. Uh, we know that there's some um, some good history. And this is Black History Month. And of course, you know, folks, we have good stories around Black history, but we want to also be able to talk about the not so good history and the pain that people will suffer from. What what kinds of uh, outcomes do you envision in terms of, you know, this, it has to cost something, you know, um, there has to be, uh, I mean, like you said, people have to do something at the end of this. What sorts of things do you think would be helpful? Yeah, it gets to the, rep, you know, the question of reparations. And, and that's been a topic, though, that has been uh, taught and studied for a long time. We even had one of our congressmen, John Connors, who actually had a bill, he never could get it through to really put reparations on the table for a solution to the uh, problem of slavery, right, the issue of slavery. And so we've, well, and in order to address then this generational kinds of hurt and pain and the uh, the lack of, of, of uh, success that communities have had, uh, we want to then provide some means of, uh, of recourse through whether it's education, whether it's through job development, whether it's through uh, economic development, right? Some means of where uh, this community, and what we decided to do because reparation is so big, we want to focus on Forsyth County. And so our focus uh, for reparations as such will be uh, efforts in, in Forsyth County, either through policy changes or through uh, actual um, dollars, you know, that have been uh, accumulated through tax taxes or whatever. And it may be focusing on helping kids, guaranteeing kids to get an education, guaranteeing kids, you know, kids go to college, right? Or guaranteeing, you know, parents who don't have employment, you know, a training program that provides them a way into employment. So it's not unreasonable things, and it's things that not have, you know, that haven't been done. But we want to begin to connect the dots and put all these things in a process. Uh, you you have efforts where you know um, the uh, the system has provided um, tax dollars, right? where developers can come in and get tax credits in depressed areas, but we don't see the results of that. So we want to be very intentional about if that effort is done, that we're going to make sure that the credits go to impact the communities in the, in the way that they're supposed to be designed to do. So again, this is still all in the infancy stages and we're looking forward to it. I felt that um, I would only do this truth and reconciliation work unless it was tied to reparations or some types of action. Sure. And kind of taking it back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, we started off the conversation 
um, tag teaming to our last uh, podcast where we talked about um, the eugenics work that had happened at Bowman Ray back in the 50s. And we were just now talking about, you know, getting the vaccine and how there's a lot of uh, health disparities there, both in information access, but also in just availability, like geographically, the places where you can get the shot are not the places where a lot of people live that need the shot. Right. So if we think about kind of that same reparations from the healthcare community, and we can talk about it here in just Forsyth County, like right. if you use your imagination, what sorts of things, you know, on the, the healthcare provider level, physicians, nurses, things like that, and also what sorts of things from our institutions would be helpful changes to help address some of those things? That's a very good question, Dr. Casey. And what I would do is I would go back and share with you some of the work then of IDR. When we were working with the health community, we actually had a specific uh, process through uh, KBR uh, funded some of our work for about uh, four years. We actually went across the state working with AHEX, the the health education networks yep. we have one here. And uh, the big thing that we wanted was uh, was equity in health care costs. The idea of people not being able to afford health care, you know, the big thing now is that we still have uh, a lot of people aren't able to get uh, Medicaid, yeah, right? Yes. And so so the focus around uh, health care would be the idea, of, number one, would be to ensure that everyone has access to health care no matter how what their ability is to pay. And I think that's a real, it's a really easy one because it's not, you know, it's not that we don't have the funds to do that. We just have to uh, be intentional about how we do that. We actually did some work with uh, with Baptist, as a matter of fact, we had put some proposal and asked Baptist to change their, I can't even remember the language that I use now around the costs. Yeah, sharing or whatever. Sharing or whatever with that, right? And uh, and we got kind of like a, a silence. We didn't have anything back from them. So I wasn't able to make any progress you know, in that effort. So that's one way, the idea of having, setting up so that costs are, are manageable based on the person's ability to pay or not, and they should still be able to afford health care. Uh, other things I think that it, just generally around medicine and healthcare is that, well, again, you know, this is the idea of how we build trust so that folks feel good about coming to a doctor in 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 any kind of a place. You know, I mean, I myself grew up military, and so you know, I had a training, if you will, through the military about healthcare to begin with. Sure. So I know it's important, right? And I mean, all of the uh, what is it, the um, vaccines that I had to have, you know, for yeah. polio. Mm-hmm. And all those different vaccines and things we had to have because you know, we were traveling. So I was I was used to that. But still, they're still in the back of my mind. And I think what was happening with me is more so I would listen to my community and hear their experience more so than what I you know was impacted by that. And so the idea of figuring out a way to help build unity and understanding around the the the, um, the stereotypes and conspiracy theories around medicine, I think is very helpful. Um, and so. Uh, setting up training for that, having listening sessions for that, right? And then uh, having availability of spaces where people can go and get that information without um, threat of being ostracized or um, uh, stereotyped, you know, for, for who they are. Um, and then, of course, I know there's things in, you know, medicine as far as uh, in the medical environment, specifically like in the hospitals, but I'm not an expert in there. Sure. But I do know that people have bad experiences on that. And we have had, um, I do know that we've had um, navigators 
might be the term right yeah in the hospitals where they have a person that's connected to the hospital and even we've had them in the in the faith communities that we, we you know connect but still that's not going very well so the question is why is that right so we're going to figure out better ways that we can you know if we're going to have people that can act as navigators people who close the gap bridge builders then we need to have all the resources and access those people can actually get the job done so I'll stop there with that. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely a lot to unpack there. And uh, I know for me personally, you know, uh, I I don't make insurance decisions or anything at the hospital. I'm a guy who sees patients and I do some teaching. And so there's definitely that part that um, I have to be responsible for. But I, I'm always wondering as an individual provider, or you know, physician, what what is the best way to participate in this? You know, what uh, you know, how do I make my reparations for the role that uh, you know healthcare providers play in these healthcare disparities? And so, um, it's always you know, it, it's a challenge. It's such a big issue, and sometimes it seems you know too big. But um, always looking for ways to to try to. Well, I'm glad you raised that, Dr. Casey, because I, I know for a fact that uh, the medical community, doctors have a lot of power, uh, even in the black community. I mean, because sure. I mean, my mother-in-law, I mean, uh, she was on, you know, uh, various types of medicines, and her, she always, her excuse was, my, my doctor this, my doctor that. Yeah. And I'm saying to her, well, you know, you give your doctor too much power. But so to recognize that that is the case, it is the yeah. case. And so you do as doctors have power. So the question is, how do you use that power? Right. Right. The idea is always how do you use that power then to help, to be, to benefit the the patient. Right. And so I, I think that by uh, providing you the go ahead, that it's okay to be as open as you can be and sure. as alert as you can be on situations of medicine, then that would be a way that I believe that will help make medicine better. When people see doctors in action, see what they do for them, then they will be convinced that, you know, this is someone that they can trust and they're willing to, you know, let them do, if you will, uh, more for them. So I think it's it's a lot of about, it's it's about building relationships. How do you build a relationship with people you don't know? Yeah. Never seen, but you trust them anyway because they know things that you don't know about health and about medicine. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking with you about this again, and I think maybe next time we'll talk about uh, the Capitol riot. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting one. I had an opportunity to uh, be interviewed by one of the local newspapers here, and uh, so I thought that was an interesting, uh, you know, conversation. Um, and I mean, with the news and the way things are going now, um, and all of the. Uh, videos and things that are showing you know the extent to which this this group uh these um uh this insurrection took place i think was is very telling so yeah i think that would be a very good discussion i I think that uh it will be helpful to bring it to our local level matter of fact i had a conversation with a guy in the hall yesterday and he was telling me about how he um uh, was you know he had no problem with other people but he was a what do you call it? He was an A2 person, right? A2, you know, and then I said, okay, I had to think about that for a minute. And then, you know, he said, yeah, I'm, you know, I believe in the Second Amendment rights and I think that I should have it. I said, well, you know, that's cool. I said that I don't have a problem. I said, the Constitution, you know, grants you that. 
I said, so what's the problem? You know, so he, he said, well, some some people don't want. I said, no, I don't. I don't believe that nobody wants to take your God away from you. You know, I mean, that's a right you have. The question is, how do you use it? You know what I mean? What extent do you use? You know, to go from guns to machine guns. You know, that's the issue. So it was a very good conversation. I like to unpack that a little bit and then get others to chime in on those kinds of things because uh, they're our neighbors. I mean, he's a he's a neighboring business. You know, yeah. and this is the first time we've had in a conversation that depth. And we also talked about. Amendment too, but we also talked about COVID, and he felt like the COVID was slowing business down. He felt like you know wearing masks is a problem, you know, and so we we yeah. got we we got to talk a little bit about all of that, you know, and, and uh, obviously we came out of it with you know let's continue this conversation. But I said if nothing else, uh, we should at least be able to be respectful of others. Now, granted, we may not you know we may not like you know some of the things we have to do, yeah, but we need to be respectful of others too, especially those who are more prone to be. Um, victims, if you will, right, uh, or the or the ones who can be most hurt by uh, if they get COVID or not. So and he and he got that. So yeah, let's let's delve into that and let's continue to uh, find things in Winston Salem that we can talk about because there's a lot of juicy things out there that, <laughs> that need to be addressed as well. Well, that sounds great. Well, Reverend Bass, it's been wonderful, and uh, listeners, again, you've been listening to Words of Truth. And uh, hopefully we'll bring you a little bit more truth next episode. So listen in. All right. Go in peace. Do well.